0: I would like to start with reading the word yeah, for those of you that can stand. We'll be in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. This is a very familiar verse. and I'm excited for what we're going to talk about today. Then the Lord came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Well, please have a seat. Um, I just want to let you know I had a great week this week. This is a phenomenal week for me, uh, Monday. I got to celebrate 20 years of being together with my wife. So, uh January 10th, thank you. 20 years ago, I took her out on our first date and it was Is it me? It uh it's it is me. Something. Hold on. I'm getting a look from Bill. How about that? L- let's keep going. Yeah. We're going to get billed just in case. But uh, so celebrating that was just a great time. And then uh, the next day I had this wonderful opportunity to meet a man of God that I've been looked up to, heard about my whole life, and had never met in person. So we got to have a coffee. And Wednesday I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see Craig's in Turkey. And I go, man, Lord, that just looks like an awesome job. I wish I had that job. And I was not specific in my prayer, because by Thursday, I had a text from Craig that said, hey, um, the the pulpit fill, Tim Nellis, that was going to be at my church on Sunday, yeah, he got sick. So can you fill in? And I said, sure. And so I learned a couple things, because Tim would have done a a phenomenal job uh, this morning. I mean, he would have knocked it out of the park. I mean, he's just well put together, smart, bright, everybody loves him. And so, uh, two things I learned. One, you, you, it's, you can't sit there is what happens. You sit there and I pop. So, the first thing that I learned was that, one, you need to pray. Pray specifically. You want me to go here? All right. check. Pray specifically, because I was looking at Craig and thinking, wow, I want to be in Turkey, but what I said was, man, I'd love that job, and so uh, the Lord's like, well, you weren't specific, so I'm going to stick you there on Sunday, which I'm totally excited about, and and then um, the second thing I learned is, like, I'm just going to be the best Plan C speaker anybody's ever had, so that is my goal today, And let's hope that we do it. Can we pray? Because I I think, one, I want to pray for Craig. I want to pray for the pastors over there. I want to pray for Tim, who's a good friend of mine that's sick. And then we just have so many unspoken needs here in everybody across the nation. And so uh, will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, uh, I want to lift up Craig and the pastors over in Turkey. Um, It just looks like they're having a phenomenal time. But Lord, will you do a work Um, Just being in that country is is phenomenal. Um, Just being connected to you in a certain way with with the rich history there, Lord. Would you empower Craig and the other pastors to come home just fired up for the gospel, that they can lead their churches well, that they can communicate in a way that just brings people along in the journey uh, with them as they share about their experiences? And then for Tim, who's sick and ill, uh, we we pray that he'd recover quickly. And Lord, then I I just want to just bathe this auditorium with all of our stories and and where we're at, Lord, you know exactly where we're at, what we need, where we're hurting. And so, Lord, I want to lift up uh, this group. And and Lord, I, I want to get to Turkey this year too. So if if we if we're throwing out prayer requests, Lord, um, hear these prayer requests, both unspoken and and spoken, Lord. And would you do your work in our lives? Jesus' name, amen. Well, my name is Ryan Zellner, and I'm a pastor at Grace Fellowship Church, which uh, where Craig and Kelly were at uh, before Taft Avenue. Um, I knew him as my New Testament professor about 20 years ago at Biola, and so it is just an opportunity to be here. Last time I was here was three years ago, roughly, and we talked about Uh, music and the power of music in the Bible and in God's economy and and how he's really given us that as this great gift. Um, And that was something that I shared at my church and that I was able to bring over here. And this time I've been thinking about something for so long and it's been on my heart. And I actually get to bring it to you for the first time. Um, but it's something that's come out of just watching my church, um, watching the church that I grew up in, and then because of my unique role at the church, what well, I will explain in a minute. And, and being a guest speaker, I, I can't really carry out your Ezekiel, um, w- what you're doing with Ezekiel. I wouldn't attempt. I, I know that Craig is phenomenal at that. But what I can do with a one-off sermon is... Bring something up as a reminder and say, remember this. This is core function of our faith. This is something that we'd all agree upon. And let me just remind you. So today is more of just a reminder message. Um, and so uh, we don't always get to talk about that. Uh, we don't always get these opportunities. But that's one thing that I can do as your guest speaker is be a reminder. And so... Um, My role at Grace Fellowship, I've been there 12 years, um, started out in youth ministry quickly after a year and a half, moved into full-time missions, so I do the local and global outreach. About five years ago, I was asked to take on home groups, and that seemed like a really weird pairing for me. And so... Okay, so go out and serve and do local and global missions and then home groups where you read the word together And you pray and you discuss the sermon and so I started going to different um, local mission organizations and I said, what do you think about this opportunity that I have and their eyes lit up and they said That's fantastic And I said why and I said because when the church sends us their home groups Those are the best people that you could possibly send and i said please tell me more and he's like well they know each other and so there's automatically this love and camaraderie when people show up to serve and i said okay i get that i can see that and then you have this built-in reminder because sometimes one-off people when they sign up for something they forget about it. But you have this community that's like, no, Saturday, we are showing up at 7 a.m. at this place, and we're going to do X thing. And so they remind each other. They're, they're built in for that. And then they have this built-in um, thing that... It, when they meet again, they talk about it. So they get to digest what happened with the service. They get to talk about what that did in their lives. They get to talk about the good and the bad because they continue to meet regularly. And so they're digesting and they're learning together through the service opportunities. It's, it's not a one and done. It's not a one and never thought about it again. It's this communal group that works together. And so those are some of the reasons that home groups made sense for me to pair them together. However, it's been five years, and I still see something that's lacking in my church and in the church that I grew up in. And it might not be lacking here, so this is fun because I get to give it to you, and you guys can go, that's great, we're moving on. Or you can hear it and go, wow, that's a really good idea. So let me give you this. As a, the speaker this morning, I wanted to remind you to obey be obedient to the call of discipleship. I want you to be obedient to the call of discipleship. If I were to have a sermon title, I would say, I, I would put on your piece of paper, I'd say, the sermon's called God's Plan of Multiplication. Because there's this thread that I wanna take you to. We're gonna start in Genesis and we're gonna move to Matthew there's this thread of God doing something, that it's not a one or two addition, it's a multiplication of people. And uh, so we're just going to spend some time looking at this golden thread through scripture. So uh, recently I've been struck with Genesis in the garden. I mean, God lays out some things pretty clearly. Uh, So turn with me if you want to Genesis 128. I'll actually put it on the board. It says, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Uh, the next verse after that talks about how God gave uh, Adam and Eve every seed-bearing plant that, and every tree that bears fruit, which is kind of interesting when we when we get into it a little bit later. But then he... he says it again in Genesis 2:15. The Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. There's a couple quotes that I'll put up on the board really fast. One's from Peter Gentry in God's Kingdom Through God's Covenants. And it says this, Genesis 1:26 defines a divine human relationship with two dimensions, one vertical and one horizontal. First, it defines human ontology in terms of of a covenant relationship between God and man, and second, it defines a covenant relationship between man and the earth. And so with the multiplication and the stewardship uh, over this last year, I've just been struck of like, no, that's our call. And Clearly with the call of Adam and Eve there was a multiplication of just people We need to grow in numbers But even early church fathers recognized that no, there's a spiritual component of drawing near to God and developing your Understanding of who God is and and coming closer to him Um, If you look at multiplication and stewardship. I just want to say one thing about stewardship that I've been so convicted of. Uh, We're working with an organization down in Columbia. It's a a Christian group, and they've done this research through the the universities. And and on stewardship, uh, they've come to realize that the earth wastes 30 billion pounds of food a year. God created a bountiful earth and told us to be good stewards of it. We're wasting 30 million pounds of food a year. I'm not saying all of it shouldn't be wasted, but we have people. Uh, Colombia alone has 20% in, in food, food insecurities. Uh, Colombia has the second largest Latin American market called Coroboscos. It's huge. of all food in Columbia goes through this market. I mean, it's blocks and blocks long. It's got walls. It has its own police station. It has its own banks. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they waste 10 to 12 tons a day in food because the restaurants and the grocery stores don't want to buy the nicked piece of fruit or the cauliflower that has 10% bad spot on it, even though you can pull it off, break it off, and it looks fine, they throw it away. So we're working with these Christians down in Colombia to go, this is not okay. This is part of our original call of being a good steward. We can do something about this, and guess what? Not only do we have 20% of, of our Colombian brothers and sisters in food insecurity, food poverty, but we have millions of Venezuelans coming through Two, over 2 million Venezuelans live in Colombia. And they've had or, or 5 million already come through and pass through. More on their way. So those people have set up camps and are food insecure. And so there's Christians down there recognizing the original call of Genesis and saying, we have an idea. Please help us pull this off. Corobosco's food market wastes 10 to 12 tons uh, a day, they're taking that food, they're redeeming that food, they're taking it two miles away to a freeze-dried factory where they will freeze-dry this food. It will now lose all water weight. It will maintain 90% of its uh, nutritional value, which when you boil something, it goes down to 50. So freeze-dried is better than boiling. We all boil, I understand. So 90% food nutritional value, no water weight, does not need to be refrigerated, it's good for 20 years we can effectively distribute that through the churches in Colombia and get it to people that are hungry and starving very easily and this is what has happened because christians have got together and thought about it and said how do we answer the original call in genesis to be good stewards and guess what here's an answer so there's people moving on that right now, and I'm so excited to share that with you because that's something that I've been a part of for the last year. It's been underground. But, but I'm reading this passage. It's the same passage, and the multiplication is the one that has stuck with me longer. And so that's what we want to talk about today, is the multiplication aspect. Uh, I want you to look at this golden thread. We're going to throw it up on the screen, and I'm going to walk through the scriptures with you. So you have Adam and Eve. You have two people. Um, they grew a number. Uh, God made this promise to them. And there was a covenant. Uh, and then, you know the story. People get wicked. You know, it happens all the time. Uh, but God chooses to create the flood. And with Noah, he saves eight people. They come out and they start over. God gives Noah the new covenant. It's the same covenant. He just adds on you can eat meat at this point instead of just the seeds and the fruit bearing the fruit from the trees. He starts over with them. What do they do? They multiply. They grow in number. Fast forward to Abraham. There's lots of people. They're all over the world. Tower of Babel has already happened. They're going everywhere. God plucks Abram, to be called Abraham, he plucks him out, and he says, I'm now going to make a nation from you, and I'm going to bless you as a nation to be a blessing to the other nations. So God's call was to multiply, and then he takes the call of multiply people to, I'm actually going to make it a little bit smaller, and I'm going to focus on this one nation called Israel, and then they're going to bless everybody to be a blessing and and they're going to grow in numbers because at this point abraham if you look in genesis uh they they counted let me see here 318 men in his little i'll call it an entourage so it was it goes from two to eight to who knows how many are in this village that that Abraham is, is overseen, and they grow. Fast forward to Jesus' time. By the way, last night I was sleeping, and I realized how I would do this graph differently because there's, there's two ways to do it. Obviously, there is a lot of people over the world when Jesus walks the earth. But God... Dwells it down to one man. Jesus is the new Adam. Jesus is true Israel. Jesus is God and, and fully man at the same time. And what does he say? He says that he brings the kingdom of God with him and he will empower all believers to spread it. So the multiplication went from a nation, from people to a nation, to a spiritual kingdom that can be affected and spread to everybody. How does he do that? Well, he gives us Matthew 28, 18 through 20. I read it in the beginning, and I'll read it again. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. As you are going, make disciples. Baptize them and teach them everything I've taught you. So let's let's work with a, a working definition of disciple discipleship for a second. We'll throw it up on the board. A disciple of Jesus is a worshiper, a servant and a witness. I got this from the Desiring God website. they have a, a I think that's a pretty great short explanation because you look at it it's like this is somebody who loves Jesus, that is about Jesus, that worships and wants to bring glory and honor. And this is somebody who would be obedient. They're they're in the servant humble um, relationship to them. They're willing to go and do. And then there's somebody that's willing to proclaim and go, I know what God has done in my life. Let me tell you about it. And those are the three aspects of, of being a disciple. And we know, because we've been around church for a long time, that Disciple means learner. What I didn't know is the Greek. I'm not a Greek scholar. I looked the Greek up. And disciple is, and I might butcher this, but mathetes, maybe? I'm looking at Kelly. Like Like you know. One who learns, but more akin to apprentice than a student. The word mathematics is derived from this word. You may not like to learn mathematics, but those who say they are Christians must learn to follow the Lord. And I just think in this idea of multiplication, God is a funny God in the sense that he loves these coincidences that God cares about multiplication and has set up a a design through discipleship to multiply believers. And the very word that we use, discipleship, we get the word multiply. Uh, mathematics from. So, uh, I think that's just his humor coming through. I could be wrong, but I want you to stop and think about it. I want you to stop and think, who did you get exposed, like, who shared the gospel with you? What is your legacy? Because it started with Jesus, and then it went to the 12 and the crowds, and they spread it to the point where today we have on record 2.5 billion Christians in the world. That means that there's a lineage from Jesus to you of people that were willing to share their faith. They were faithful. They prayed. And we have benefited from that. Uh, You came to Christ on the backs of others. And so I want you to stop and think about uh, maybe it was your mom or your dad or your grandparents, but then who shared with them and how was that passed down? I will promise that these people were faithful. They took risks and looked for opportunities to share. And prayer was always involved. Uh, I shared with you on Tuesday that I got to meet just a, a pinnacle, of, a, a pillar of the faith for me. This man... Um, witnessed to my uncle in 1968 and is the reason that my uncle has been in ministry for over 40 years. This man married my parents. He performed the wedding ceremony. This man married my aunt and uncle. This man married my other aunt. Uh, This man has written books and has influenced my boss. This man was friends with another missionary, and they grew up and did things together, and one of my best friends has learned from this man. So I had never met this guy before Tuesday, but I kept hearing about him and his faithfulness. I had read his books, and I'd been encouraged, and this man's name is Kent Hughes. Uh, there's a picture we got to have coffee. He's, he'll be 80 this year. He's teaching at our church this year, and it's his faithfulness that has led in some small part to the formation of who i am and who my brother is and who my parents are and who my aunt uncle are and because of his written words he's been able to just continue to multiply far beyond one man's life but has been able to get out and i just can see in my own life the tangible web that this man's faithfulness starting back well before 1968, but, but right there when he went to Arizona on a youth trip and shared the gospel with my hooligan uncle at the time. Like, I look at that, and I'm just so thankful for uh, what happened. He's 79, 1968, he shared with my uncle. In 2022, he has coffee with me, and I get to answer question, uh, ask him questions. Hey, what is it like in ministry? Like, how have you seen God show up? And he, and he shares the broken parts of his story that he says is the most fruitful because he goes, God uses your darkest moments to produce the most fruit. And, and I'm going to believe him at this point because I'm going, you're walking it. Jesus's call of discipleship does not expire. If you're 88, you have the call of discipleship. If you're 20, if you're 17, God has called you to to make disciples. I think that's important for us to know that we, we can't just leave it to the experts at this point. I think Uh, we need to understand that this is an underground movement. This is a person-on-person movement. Yes, we can write letters, and we can send things, and and those are incredible. Letters from grandparents to to grandkids is is a phenomenal way to do it, and so I want to encourage the written word, uh, just people writing and encouraging others. That's a great way, especially If any of you travel and you're not, you can't be here every Sunday, then definitely just pick people. But it's an an intentional time. Because I'm going to raise another potentially challenging, more difficult question is that who are you discipling right now? Jesus told you. The answer should be a list of people. Maybe it's one person. Maybe it's five people. Maybe it's ten people. Maybe it's a group setting. You lead a Bible study in your home. Maybe it's a coffee. But who are you discipling? Um, I've heard great things from this church just, just before the service. I mean, you guys, this church has helped plant at least 50 churches in India based on people going and doing this discipleship model and partnering with locals. And so, man, what's awesome is that I'm not saying you're not doing this. In fact, I get to say this as a guest speaker, as a reminder to do this. Um, It'll be a different story when I go back to my church and say this thing because they'll be like, you know us. And I go, I know, I know you. Um, That's why I'm saying this. So I'm going to lay this out there as a question and you know the answer. But God's economy is multiplication. It's really clear in Second 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. I'll read it for you. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. That's verse 1. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. So Paul taught Timothy. Timothy is encouraged to entrust faithful men, and those faithful men are are told to go and spread it to other people. That's how multiplication works. Look at the parable of the talents. We don't need to turn there, but uh, everybody knows the parable of the talents. There's uh, the servant that got five talents, two talents, and one talents, and they invested their talents, and they multiplied it except for the one. And the owner comes back to the one and he says, look, had you just put it with the bank, that would have been fine. Well, I'm no mathematician, but compound interest is a form of multiplication. So had he put it in the bank and kind of just done the bare minimum, that would have still brought a fruit of multiplication in that. And so we all have different talents, we all have different ways, and so there's, this isn't um, necessarily me saying, here's how to do discipleship, but, but understanding that we are all called to discipleship, and we all can figure out together what those ways look like. Um, Jesus uses a seed analogy in John 4, 34 through 38, and it's not a coincidence, I don't think, I, I think he's actually referencing back to the Genesis um, thing. He says, It's, it's my food to do the will of the Father. And then he goes on to say, I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work, and you have reaped the benefits of the labor. 1 uh, Corinthians adds, "Just and this is the most important thing when it comes to discipleship, that it's God makes things grow, and he brings the spiritual fruit. But he's inviting us into this process because he goes look you get to do this with me uh a couple years ago i got to go down to peru and we took a jesus film backpack into the amazon jungle to give kenny a local missionary the backpack and jesus film used to take camels and strap like big old projectors on them and you had to get some power, you had to find a generator and do all, it it was like caravans of equipment. Now they have it to all fit in a backpack and it it can be charged with the sun and the projector is about this big and it's pretty great. So we went down there, we passed this backpack off to Kenny and he set up a Jesus film showing in a, a village that didn't have a church people show up, about 50 people, 22 came to know the Lord that night. They, they raised their hand, they prayed their prayer, and they all said, come back. Please meet with us. We have been wanting this. We want a church here. And Kenny, being a very smart missionary, had a pastor there from another village that says, okay, I'm coming back Thursday. We're going to begin the work of discipleship. And a church was planted because of that. I didn't do anything that FedEx didn't do. Right? I could have shipped it down there. God invited me. I'm a footnote in their story because Kenny did the work of setting up the projector. God did the work of drawing people to himself. And I get to I got to have, have a front row seat to what was happening. And Kenny is faithful and goes from village to village every week. Showing this video every week getting declarations of faith of like I want to believe and follow Jesus and that's the work that continues and God wanted me to be a part of what he was already doing and it has been such a blessing in my life and so that's like wild That God would want me to be a part of something and he wants me to be successful so I know I've hit a, remember we're following this thread, Uh, the parable of the four soils. The last line gets me every time. It's Matthew 12, 23, but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He goes, look, if you're If you're good soil, you're going to produce spiritual fruit a hundred times or 30 times. But that's like a great investment that God is saying, you will, I want you to. This is how it works. So if I have $1, you're telling me I can invest it in good soil and I'd have $100, like sign me up. God is saying, you are my investment, you are the good soil, and you are going to produce good fruit. Don't worry about failing. I'm with you. I do all the work. You just get to go on this discipleship journey with me where you get to invite people in. The Great Commission that we've read twice now has the go and make disciples, but it's it's sandwiched with two great messages. One is that Jesus has all authority in heaven and earth, and he's with you always to the end of the age. If we're talking about we need to gain courage to step out in faith, I'm just going to encourage you right now that those two comments that Jesus gave to us is the courage that you need that he has all authority and he's with you and and he will then equip you to bring about this fruitful ministry of discipleship so where do we find people to disciple inside the church and out one is by serving serving in the youth programs, serving in the kids' classrooms. I know that you guys have a preschool here on campus. There's many different ways, uh, opening up your homes to Bible studies, home groups, that kind of things. That's the serving within the church because um, you know this, but... W- the kind of the land of biblical knowledge has slowly, like the culture that we grow up in has changed and the landscape has changed. A biblical truth has not been passed down in the way and so there are a lot of people that are coming to faith that don't have the same understanding of scriptures that maybe you grew up with. And you get to help them on that journey. So that's within the church and without the church the answer is the same thing serving. You can get involved somewhere. To find people or you can go into your your workspace and, and create an opportunity to talk about different worldviews and and serving others And I know serving Orange is, is big at taft but, but serving creates the relationship opportunities to turn into discipleship um, I had lunch with a friend What was it last week and he's been serving at the homeless ministry in our area for over a year and early on he met a young gentleman that he describes as very smart, loves his drugs, and lives in his car. And he goes, man, this guy has so much going for him, but he's going nowhere. And my friend had hung in there over the year and said, I love you. I love you. There's more for you. There's more for you. And the guy just pushed him away. You don't love me. You don't care about me. You're just, you just want to feel good and serve and do your thing, and you're going to go away like everybody else, goes away. And he goes, no, I'm here. So he serves faithfully every Saturday at this place. And he's proven himself. On Christmas, he got a Christmas card from this young homeless man that said, I get it now. You love me. Tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to drive home to Colorado to my family. I'm going to get clean. And then I'm going to come back and we'll talk. That was a year investment just to begin to start to disciple this young man. Because we could talk about, is, it, is evangelism discipleship or is it pre-discipleship? Well, we can have that debate, but I'll, I'll tell you this. All discipleship has evangelism in it. Because all discipleship has to cover all aspects of the faith, which include evangelism. Um, I think I have a, uh, a quote for you that will say that better than I can. Discipleship is the work of shaping disciples to carry the seed of the entire mission. It's from J.R. Woodard. some of you might go, man, I just don't feel equipped. I don't know where to start. And that, I think, is a totally normal response, and that's okay, because there's so many tools out there to help you get started. There's so many different ways to disciple people within that, based on your personality, your availability, but that doesn't take the call from us. So I, I'm just going to list, I'm going to list four different tools, and you're going to go, okay, I'm not taking notes that went over my head, and then I'm going to give you my email because, man, my heart would be, let's let's start trying discipleship if, if we don't have that list. And if you have that list of people and you're like, here's my list of people, then that's great. You're doing it. Um, there's a ministry in the Middle East that developed... Um, a Discipleship 101 training, so if you like 101, it's called safar.org, and safar just means journey, so it's saying, hey, the two of us are going to go on a journey. I love this curriculum, and I just found out that one of my friends took her niece through it, so she's in her 50s, she's single, and she's like, I'm going to take my niece through this because it's my first time taking anybody through this, and my niece just feels like a safe, good bet. But that means that that niece has gotten discipled so well by her aunt. What, a, what an amazing connection or relationship point. There's a, a thing called Discover Bible Study. This is designed for opening up your home, having people... Jan. We're going to pray. Lord Jesus, you know, but be with Jan. Help her, Lord Jesus, right now. Uh, Lord, we ask, wake her up, revive her, uh, give her strength. Please, Lord, we need you. I'm going to keep going, if that's okay. Discover Bible Study is for just those in your community. If you, if you want to be a better neighbor, if you want to reach your neighbors, then inviting non-Christians into your home and having discussions, this thing has been set up for basic basic Bible knowledge. Uh, Alpha Course is another one. I know there's different churches in the area, and just becoming a leader there and getting trained on how to allow people to talk about their worldview after hearing a Christian, Christian message has been very, very successful all over the world. And then I know that Mariners has used at their church Rooted, and a lot of other churches have picked that up, and that's something that you do within the church just to make sure that everybody's on the same page, that, that they're hearing the Scripture, um, all the major tenets of belief And so that's something that can be used. Um, My email, if you'd put it up. So don't expect you to remember those. Those tools are out there. I'm glad you're back, Jan. So I'll close with this. Just give you a, a quick overview of just even the call of discipleship. Uh, you see that God wants to multiply. He wants to use you. He wants you to be fruitful. He knows and has made it clear that we were created for good works. We know that God is with us. We know that He loves us, and He wants us to make disciples. So I'm not going to promise you a smooth road ahead on discipleship. It's often very very tenuous and very kind of clunky at times when you're discipling somebody, very messy. But I can promise you that it's a fruitful one if you listen to the Holy Spirit. And if you let Him guide you, then it will be fruitful. So walk forth in faithfulness, prayer, and be willing to take risks when opportunities are shown to you by the Holy Spirit and revealed. And so let me pray, and we'll have the worship team come on up. Uh, Heavenly Father, uh, it's so clear, but we don't always talk about it, and so thank you for allowing me to have this opportunity to remind this congregation of just our call of discipleship. It does not expire, and you're here, and you're ready, and you want to partner with us. God, you do the work, you do the heavy lifting, uh, but we do have to step out in faith. And so, Lord, may we be faithful over this next year. May you give us names of people you want us to pursue like Jesus pursued his disciples, Lord. That's the model that you set up. So, may we pursue people and and start our journey of discipleship if we haven't already started. Lord Jesus, you love us um, like we, st- we prayed in the beginning of the service, Lord, there are needs in this congregation, and we lift up Jan and um, what's going on with her health, God, you know, and so, Lord, continue to just sustain us and heal us and, and meet us in the spots where we just can't do it, where we need you. You need to come in and, and overwhelm us with your love and your abilities. In Jesus' name, amen.